Welcome to this episode of Out of the Best Books, the podcast where we deep dive into classic literature and have conversations about what we've learned and discovered along the way. We love all things books and reading, and we want to share our love of the classics with you. We hope to inspire you to read along with us and join in the conversation. I'm Laura. And I'm Amity. Let's get started. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Friday interview on this podcast. I actually have two of my friends with me today. I'm super excited. I have my friend Laura and Amity, and they are getting ready or they have created content to release a podcast about the classics. They, their desire is to get people back into the classics, get excited about the the classics, see how accessible they are and how much they're applicable in our lives today. So I thought it would be really fun to interview them so that you'll go listen to their podcast and get into the classics and that you'll be able to get to know them a little bit better. So Amity and Laura, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Before we get started, if there's a listener out there that doesn't know what we mean when we say the classics, I would really love the two of you to tell everybody. So Laura, what are the classics? Um, Amity will have a much more eloquent answer for this. (laughs) Um, I just think of the classics as like any older books that have been, that have kind of stood the test of time, right? That, um, you know, even today you'll read a book and you'll think tomorrow I read that finished this book yesterday. I don't even remember what it was about. Right. But you know, there's even books nowadays that are, I will say someday will be a classic because it's just something you can't forget. Um, you know, so books like little women and I don't know, um, Jane Eyre, those kind of books that have just kind of lasted and people are still reading them. Oh, I like that. Standing the test of time. I'm writing that down. It's really good. Okay. Amity, what are what would you say if you can give your definition of the classics so that if someone's like, I don't know what she means by classics, what? Well, first of all, I would say that it is actually kind of a controversial topic in, in the book world. Um, because different people have different definitions of what a classic is, but just as Laura said, it is really, it's those books that have stood the test of time and they're transcendent. They are not just applicable to the period of time in which they were written, but they're applicable to us today. And, and that there's power in that. Um, they, they come from authors who just thought so deeply, they observed human nature and then they wrote about it. Uh, and some people, some scholars have said that a book has to be at least three generations old to be considered a classic. So it has to be at least 60 years old. That's, that's one thought. Um, but yeah, to me, it's, it's a book that it can be centuries old. Um, it can be a thousand years old, it could be 2000 years old, whatever the Bible is a classic. Um, but it's just one that we, we can still pick up today and we can still find meaning and wisdom in that book. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I want, what I want to do is I want to go back with you two as children. Did you like, did you read the classics as children? What tell, talk a little bit about that. Amity, why don't you start? What was it like in your childhood? Did you read the classics? And if you did, which ones did you read? So uh, something that stands out to me. So my, 
my mom read some classics to us. Uh, the ones that stand out immediately are children's classics. And you'll find out that that's what I am most passionate about is children's classics. But she read uh, all the Little House series over and over to us. And she read some Louisa May Alcott books that are a little lesser well-known, but they are to me, definitely classics. She read eight cousins and the Ant Hill and Rose in bloom. You know, if you don't are not familiar with them, you'll have to look them up because they're pretty fantastic. Um, and that's pretty much what she read to us, but our house was full of classics. And I just understood that that was what was important. And, and so I did pick up classics and try to read them. I've told Laura before, like my comprehension was not great. And I had a really hard time actually comprehending them as I was growing up, but I knew they were important. And so like I picked up the Scarlet Pimpernel and I picked up, um, what else? The Virginian. And I also, um, I mean, Elizabeth George Spear, I feel like all of her books are classics. And I loved The Witch of Blackbird Pond and um, The Calico Captive and The Sign of the Beaver. Anyway, so those are some that I I really loved. And as a teenager, I did read Jane Austen. And like I said, I even then my comprehension was not great, but I, I still loved the stories. And so, yeah. Okay, Laura, how about you? It's like the same story, right? <laughs> my mom used to read to us. And- I used to watch my mom and my grandma. They always were reading, like always had a book in their hands. And my grandma would recommend books to me. Um, and we would switch books back and forth, which I think is kind of funny as like a 10 year old girl and her grandma. But, um, and I don't know that she read the classics, but my mom read um, all the little house books to us. She read us where the red fern grows. Um, she read Anne of Green Gables to us. And I don't know that as a child, I understood that the classics were important, or I don't know if I even understood what, that she was reading classics to us, but we watched the movies like over and over and over again. Um, my grandpa bought us a videotape of a little princess and we watched that till we ran, you know, it was no longer working anymore. <laughs> um, all the Anne of Green Gables movies. So like those stories kind of stuck with me even though maybe they were from that format. But yeah, I think I, when I got older, I realized what a classic was and that um, that she had been reading them to us the whole time. <laughs> so if there was a principle, or were you going to say something, Amity? Oh, it, just if I could jump in right there, like I think there is a lot to that. The fact that the, the classic books that were turned into really good movies, because there's some movies that, or based off classics that are honestly horrible, but, but we do keep going back to them. Like the Anne of Green Gables that was made in the 1980s. And yeah, I hadn't read Anne of Green Gables, the book until I grew up and read it to my kids, but I loved the movie so much. And it's one that you keep going back to because it's the story and it's the principles and it's, it, there's just so much beauty and meaning in those. And so I, I think there's a lot to that as well. If you were to think of one of the classics from your childhood, what was it about that particular classic that transformed you or that changed a thought that you might've had or helped you grow in an area of your life? Laura, can you think of one 
that you, that really impacted you, that made you think, I want to do this with my life, or I want to be this kind of person? Um, we'll go back to this a lot, but Anne of Green Gables is my favorite, like one number one of all time. And I think about her and like how she, what she had to overcome and how, um, how hard her life was when it started out. But then, you know, once she was kind of adopted into a family and like established, you know, they loved her, what she was able to do where she like kind of shined at school. She was intelligent. She went and became a teacher. Like she kind of uh, was able to overcome her beginnings. I don't know. That just really related with me. Like she became who she wanted to be despite where she came from. Mm-hmm. Amity, what about you? Um, I, I would have to say as far as like directly from my childhood, uh, the little house books, because they were such a, a sweet and a good family and they persevered and they were so hardworking and they valued education and that, um, they loved each other so much. And so I think, I think that was very formative for me. I think just instilling that, um, the idea that hard work is good. Endurance is good. I, I remember like the long winter, that's one that made a huge impression on me because they just sat in their house for like months on end and just like ground, uh, wheat, like all day long in their little coffee grinder and what endurance and patience that took. And it was like, if they can do that and still love each other and (laughs) not kill each other because they're stuck in this cramped little quarters, there's a lot that I can do. And, um, and again, just their, their ingenuity and, um, and Laura's determination, like she became a teacher when I think she was 15 or 16 because she was so intelligent and that, and a hard worker and, she loved to read and, and education was so beautiful and important to her. And so, yeah, to me, that was, it, it made me realize how important those things were to me as well and that they should be important. So, yeah. Okay. Now in order to kind of connect the dots for those listening, you're both mothers. So I want you to tell a little bit about your family and your path with your children for education and what really brought you, I want to lead up to where you are today, thinking this is the time in our lives where we want to do this podcast and kind of ignite this excitement and, um, accessibility to the classics as mothers. So Laura kind of tell like, so every, cause everyone doesn't know you, like I know you. So just tell them like how many kids you have and their ages. And then what has brought you to this place right now and kind of the path you took with your own family, your children? So I have five kids. Um, My oldest is about to turn 22. He's our only boy. And then we have three teenage daughters, 19, 17, 15. And then we have a five-year-old that just started kindergarten. And um, I mean, reading was important to my mom and my grandma and they read to me And that was going to be, I knew that was going to be an important part of me being a mother. And so, I mean, I read to the kids a lot when they were younger. My son 
he when he was a lot little he loved reading he loved it we read him books that were way beyond his ability when he was like four and five years old and and I would watch him in kindergarten and he would just sit there as soon as the teacher would pull out a book his like mouth was open and his eyes he was just right riveted on the teacher you know and um so out of all my kids one doesn't like to read <laughs> our funny story is that she told me about this year sometimes she told me I would rather stare at a wall than read a book so we've kind of failed with that one but um I just laughed at her and I was like really <laughs> that's like the worst thing I'd go but um and then we had another daughter who struggled to learn to read and um she didn't start reading until she was like late in second grade and they told us in elementary school that reading was always going to be hard for her that she was just always going to be slow it wasn't you know this was just always going to be she was always going to work harder than everybody else in the classroom and probably not get as much result and um in middle school a girl moved into our ward into our church congregation they became friends and she loved to read and my daughter like picked up on it and also started loving reading and she her and I talk about books now all the time she's a senior she has a 4.0 in um high school and like I just know that reading is what did that for her like her love of reading is what or her her determination to become a better reader I think is what helped her also become a better student and um yeah, now we're looking at colleges and she wants to be a history teacher. <laughs> so it's, it's just exciting. I just love watching the kids in there. Um, their passion for it is fun. Um, and I love talking about books and reading. And so even though my kids and I don't like the same kinds of books, maybe this podcast will get them excited about reading classics. I don't know. I'll read anything. So that's kind of my stories that I I'll, I'll pick up anything if somebody describes a book I automatically want to go read it <laughs> I feel like if I don't I'm missing out but yeah I I think that um through this podcast I'm kind of hoping like if a high school student is reading a piece of classic literature and they're struggling with it they could listen to our podcast and like maybe understand it a little bit better and um and maybe my kids will listen and get excited about what we're reading that's great, Laura. Okay, Amity. Okay, um, I am the mother of six children. Um, they range in ages. I've got a 17-year-old, 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, an 11-year-old, 7-year-old, and an 18-month-old. So we have quite the range right now. Um, and uh, when I first started having children, I was I was very young. Well, I think I was pretty young. I was like 20. And as I said before, I knew that reading was really important. I also knew that language development was really important. But I also knew that like, I wasn't even fully developed yet. Like my brain wasn't even fully developed. And you have a baby and you're 20 and you're reading all this literature that says, you know, you need, they need to have um, good language and they need to hear you talk and, and that's how their language is going to develop and their brains develop and all those connections in their, in their brain. And I was like, okay, but 
how, like, how do I talk to my baby? I, I don't really even know. I'm not actually a woman of many words. Like most people, when they first meet me, they're like, why are you so quiet? Why are you so shy and reserved? And, and I'm really not shy. I'm mostly just reserved. Um, but I didn't know what to say to my kids. And so I was like, well, good books have lots of good language. So there, there's a wealth of, of material right there. And so um, actually when my oldest daughter was just a baby, she was having tummy time and I read to her the book, the cabin faced West. And I'm sure she didn't get anything from that, but I sure enjoyed it. And I was like, I'm doing something good anyways. And from that point on, we just, we read every single day. And, um, as they got older, I did start digging into the classics with them and, and found so much joy and fulfillment in that. And we have read hundreds and hundreds of, of books. And that doesn't include like picture books. Of course, we've read tons and tons of picture books. I'm talking about full chapter books, if you will. And we try to do mostly classics unless there's another book that's like highly recommended or something. Um, I remember that one of the first huge, and it was huge classics that I read to my kids was the yearling and Laura knows the story. So she's probably sick of it, but they were all really young at the time. And it is, it's a pretty big book, but I didn't know how much they would get out of it, but I was like, you know what? I want to read the yearling. So I'm going to read it to you guys. And we read it. And I was amazed at how much these young children got out of it because they would talk about it afterwards. They would ask questions about it and then they would act out parts of it. And I was like, you know, we shouldn't underestimate how much kids get from classics. They, they can get it. And it really is about subjecting them to the language of these older books and they'll get it. And so I just started reading tons and tons of classics and that's, and that's what we've done for years and years and years. And as they got older, we still read because it's still so important for kids, even as teenagers to have their mother or, or a parent read aloud to them. So we kept doing that and it's just been such a joyful journey and we've loved it. And I love, um, when we're reading a book, like my favorite thing is to come to the end of a chapter and for them to all chant, they have this chant and they say, another chapter, another chapter. And I'm like, it's so, it's so wonderful. I love it. And it also means it's a really good book. Um, and they, I have to say that they all, they all do love reading. Um, my oldest daughter is similar to Laura's daughter in that she's had some learning challenges as far as, you know, just things that she was born with. Um, but she is a good reader and she has taken on a lot of the classics. And when she's in her English classes now in high school, we've talked to her English teacher a couple of times. Her English teacher's like, Addie comes and requests these books that I'm like, really? You really want to read that? And she's shocked because they're like these, these classic books that most, most kids don't necessarily gravitate towards. I think I, it's, it's really wonderful to me. She does not have a 4.0. <laughs> She's struggling, but you know, just like it, it really has been fulfilled for her that she does have to work a lot harder than everybody else her age to pull off the grades that she does. And, and, um, but 
to me, she's doing really, really well for how hard it is for her. And, and yeah, I do believe that reading is a big part of that. And, um, so just to see them all appreciate and love good books. In fact, um, a couple of years ago, someone had loaned us a book and, um, I started reading it aloud to my kids and we read like the first couple chapters and they actually were the ones that were like, you know, let's, let's try a different book. I don't think we want to read this book anymore. And I was like, Oh, okay. Why? And they said, well, the kids in the book, they just had like, they nearly died. They had this horrible experience and they go home and they kept it a secret from their parents. Why would they do that? And anyway, that was really interesting to me because it showed me that it it's, there are so many books out there. There really are. But it's just like food. There's so much food out there. Does That doesn't mean all of it's good, you know? And so for them to be able to differentiate between a really good book and one that is like not, doesn't have the beautiful and, and um, wonderful messages and uplifting messages that the classics are sure to, at least children's classics are sure to, um, that's a big deal. So that was a long story. No, that's good. Laura, do you have something you want to add to what Amity said? I don't think so. Okay. No, I thought it was great. So, you know, growing up for me, I really struggled with reading and comprehension and it wasn't, um, in my family, we didn't read the classics or anything like that. So most of my fluency and reading came because I read the book of Mormon when I was 13, 14, I had this spiritual experience where I decided to change my life. And I started reading it all the time. And I've been doing that. I'm 48. So I've been doing that for 35 years. So for me, the desire to read classics is not really high on there. That's why I was really excited to have you guys on here because just listening to you makes me feel excited because for me in school, they would push the books and I would find them not interesting and not exciting. But then when I got older, I found nonfiction. And when I found nonfiction, I was so gravitated towards that. And that's what I, you know, I'm drawn to. So as a parent, how would you tell mothers or fathers, like how, what are some things, some advice you could give us or give those that are seeking to implement the classics, but kind of keep that attention of the child? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You want me to go first? Yeah, Laura. Okay. Um, well, one thing I would say is like what Amity said, have them in your house, have them everywhere. Like I love to go to St. Vincent's and look for, I think their books now are $1.99, right? And if I see a classic or a book I've, I know is good, I bring it home. And so if you have books laying around everywhere, then maybe they'll pick one up. Um, also read them yourself. Like, I really think my kids read because they see me reading. Um, and, and I guess be really careful about recommending, but like my kids don't take well when I recommend a book to them, even if I think it's something they'll really like, um, they won't read it. So you have to be really like subtle in your, you know, um, 
yeah it once you tell that once i tell my children i want them to read something they automatically don't want to read it so yeah i think just laying having them laying around and them seeing you read and reading good books right like challenging yourself books um yeah i think that's i think those are my two i guess i'm hoping that my kids may be listening to our podcast they will pick up a classic because, you know, they don't really read classics in high school anymore. No, like, they don't. I mean, classics in what we read. They, I don't, you know, yeah. Okay, Amity. So I, I would say if you're wanting to start out reading classics to your children, first of all, find something that is going to resonate with them. Um, and there's like I said, I am so, I love children's classics so much. And I'm not necessarily talking about the, the ones that you always see at Barnes and Noble, you know, printed in their cute covers. I don't actually love Alice in Wonderland. And that's totally a children's classic. I don't think that's a great book. People can totally argue with me, whatever, but there's so many amazing, uh, classics, but if you're worried about keeping their attention, I would say start out with audiobooks in your car. Like you have a captive audience. And there's some amazing narrators out there that do a beautiful job in narrating the classics. And so if you're going on a long trip, pop in an audiobook, you know, or, or have it on your device or whatever and, and pipe it through the car um, because kids can't go anywhere. So, and a lot of times you'll find that they listen even more than you thought they would. Um, something that we, that I found is when they're sitting down and eating their meal, you know, again, they're kind of a captive audience. So you sit down and you read a chapter and you just start with a chapter. Maybe you start with a few pages and then you work away with away at it and talk to them about it and help them to see, um, how, you know, help them to connect to it and say, okay, well, this happened a hundred years ago, but how is this like? what we're dealing with today. And, and maybe that's too deep of a question for little kids. And maybe you don't have to ask questions. Maybe you can just, um, see what they think about it. And, um, but yeah, I, I feel like the real key is just finding those, um, fun books that especially children's literature that are going to resonate with them. And a really good thing too, I think, is to start with a book that also has a great movie along with it. So you read the book and you say, we're going to read this book and then we're going to have a fun movie night and see, see what you guys think. Did they do a good job of, of turning this book into a movie? Um, so yeah, those are some thoughts that I have. That's great too. Okay. So now I want to know how was this podcast birthed? <laughs> so what happened in both of your lives? Because Amity, you have six, Lord, you've got five. So what brought you to this place where you're like, this is what we want to do now. And you also need to tell everybody the name of it. So let's go ahead, Amity, let's start with you. What brought you and Laura together to do this podcast? How did it happen? Um, well, okay. So first of all, it is called the Out of the Best Books podcast. Um, and Laura is the genius behind a lot of things. She just has a brain for starting stuff. And, um, 
she probably feels like she has to drag me along most of the time, but she, she'd had an idea a while ago for a, a podcast that I think would be fantastic, but uh, I think I was about to actually give birth and, and it just, our lives were crazy. But then just a couple months ago, she texted me and she's like, I have another idea. And she's like, let's do a podcast where we talk about books. And it was like, well, yeah, because we both love books and we love talking about books. And there's so many times that I read a book and I'm like, I just pulled this amazing nugget out of this book. Did it? Is anybody else? Did anybody else know this? And I want to talk to somebody about it. I want to hear somebody talk about it. And it's just not out there. Maybe it is. And I just haven't found it, but, um, but, and then also like, I love classic books, as I have said many times. Um, and I think that they absolutely have a place in our schools and with our children. And it is so tragic to me to hear teachers actually say that they just are not, they're not going to give classics to kids because the kids find them too boring. And so for me, that's a big motivator here too, is to, to hopefully make it so that, um, people will see that classics are really, they're really wonderful and we still need them. We probably especially need them today. Applicable to our lives today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Laura, how did this get birth for you? <laughs> well, I discovered, so I work, I have, we have a home business and I drive a lot for work. And so I discovered audiobooks a long time ago, but then maybe five or six years ago, I discovered podcasts about books <laughs> And I love, that's like my favorite type of podcast to listen to actually is where they talk about books. And so I had kind of wanted to do, I mean, it just looks like fun to get on with a microphone and talk about books. And so I had been thinking about doing one and I really was struggling with like a idea of, you know, I didn't want to copy everybody else's format kind of, I wanted it to be like my own, a different angle. And yeah, so we came up with this, I came up with this one a couple of years ago and we both got excited about it. And then we, I think quickly realized that this concept was going to be very, very, very time consuming and we were just too busy for it. So, um, and then this, I was driving one day listening to a podcast and it just popped into my mind. Like you're, I mean, if you listen to our podcast, you're going to find out that I'm the one that wants to love the classics. I don't necessarily know them or um, think they're easy or accessible. <laughs> and I thought, well, what if we had a couple of different perspectives on a podcast, somebody who knows the classics and like understands what she's reading and is eloquent speaking, an eloquent speaker, and then somebody who may, might struggle with them, but wants to love them. And so... Um, and of course I asked Amity cause I was like, she's the one I like to talk books with. <laughs> so yeah, we just came up with the idea. And if I hadn't had her, I would have quit. I would have had the idea and thought like this, I don't know. I would have thought I'm too busy. The first day we were going to record, we had just decided we we're going to do it this, this one day. And I was trying to come up with every excuse I could to like get out of it. I was like, I'm too nervous, but I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and if I didn't have a partner, I wouldn't have sat down and, and recorded that episode, but we did it. And afterwards we're like, 
that was really fun. Like, and I actually don't care if anybody listens to our podcast. Like I'm doing it for me and just because it's fun. So that's great. What, um, can you guys tell me the format? So you're going to get on there and, and what are you going to do? Are you going to pick one book? Are you going to pick a theme? What give us like what, if they were on, what would the format format look like and what they could expect? So we want, um, well, it's one book. So like our first book that we read was where the red fern grows and we're planning on doing a two, I don't know, two, three, four episodes per book. So it'll be broken down. So we'll, we'll talk about like the first nine or 10 chapters of the book or depending on the length of it. Um, and we're just kind of doing a summary, but then also kind of talking about insights we've had or what we maybe found on the internet about, um, you know, analysis or whatever, but it's kind of more fun than like reading a synopsis of it on the internet, I guess. But um, then we're, we're going to insert some kind of bonus episodes in between the books. And we're hoping that people will read them along with us, like hear what we're reading next and maybe go pick it up and read along. Read along. Amity, do you want to add anything to that? Um, I think, I think that was a pretty good summary of it. Uh, but yeah, it's just, we're talking about the book, giving our own personal insights and what we've taken from it. And sometimes throwing in our personal stories, it's sort of like, I'm not comparing it exactly because they are like these scholars and stuff, but some of the, the, like, come follow me channels, you know, where they talk about the scriptures and they like, they're just talking about the scriptures, but they give their own little insights and personal stories along with it. And so that's kind of the idea behind it is um, we're diving deep into each chapter of the book so that somebody could listen and, and have go away with a good understanding of the book itself, but then hopefully also have some new thoughts and insights afterwards. That's good. Okay. So I want to ask the two of you, um, is there a character from the classics that you feel like you connect with really well? So Amity, is there someone that you have read it over all these years in the classics that you feel like a kindred spirit, kind of like Anne would say, (laughs) Anne of Green Gables? Um, that's such a good question. And I think like every book that I've loved, I always put myself in the place of the heroine, right? (laughs) I think that people naturally do that. They like see themselves as the, the hero in the book. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm anything like them, but, (laughs) but, um, they're like, oh, I wish I was like Elizabeth or Anne or whoever, Um, but as far as somebody that I actually feel like I connect with, that's, that's really hard, but one that immediately comes to mind and he's way more amazing. And it is actually a male character, but one of my favorite classics of all time is carry on Mr. Bowditch. And that, it, again, it may not be like in the mainstream of classics, but it is 
absolutely a classic. And it's the true story of Nathaniel Bowditch, who lived in the 18th century into the beginning of the 19th century. And he just, he's somebody who just persevered. He had like one issue after another, after another, one setback after another. And he had to self-teach himself. He was like, he had a, a great brain, but he had to teach himself, self-educate all along the way. Um, and he ended up helping so many people and he, he just took each trial as it came and he tried to make himself better because of it. And so I'm not by any means saying that I am as good as he is or anything, but I feel like I connect with that. Why am I emotional? I don't know. Thank you, Amity. Laura, how about you? I think that was a hard question. Like, well, we just recorded a bonus episode that was like our top 10 classics that we've read. And I told Amity, I probably only have 10 in my list. So this is going to be, I'll just have to order them. But so I haven't read a ton of classics. I read a lot, but just classics haven't been um, the majority of that. So I was asking my mom this morning, like, can you help me think of something? And this book, this isn't a classic, but years ago, I read a book by Francine Rivers, who's like one of my favorite authors. It was called Her Mother's Hope. And I love books about women that are strong and like take charge and can like um, do what they want with their lives, I guess, when circumstances are hard. And I remember reading that book. Now I'm going to get emotional, but it changed my um, view of my motherhood, if that makes sense. Like I could see in this book how she treated her children based on her view of life. But then I could also see how her kids saw it. And like, she had a good reason for the way she was treating them that way, but they didn't get it. All they thought was, it was mostly one of her daughters was that mom doesn't love me. She doesn't approve of me. She doesn't, um, like but love isn't unconditional from her, right? It, it's conditional upon what I do. And I just remember that being a life-changing book for me and me really connecting with that, the lady, the main character of that book. And like, it changed how I felt about my children and how I treated them. If that makes sense. Yeah. It became, it made me a more loving mother at the time. That's what's so beautiful about books. We pick them up or listen to them and they literally can transform our thoughts and help us to change, to become a person we want to be or better version of ourselves. So I wanted to ask you both, could you recommend three children's books if a mother was on here listening and wanting to start out our grandma and three adult classics that you think would be awesome if someone's really wanting to try to get into those as they're older and they haven't really gotten into them. So let's start with the children's books. So Amity three that you would recommend and you can both piggyback on each other. That is 
a really hard question. Um, but okay. I'm not going to recommend a book. I'm going to recommend some series. Okay. Um, so the first that I would say is the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. All like we always hear about the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but every book in the series is fantastic. And I would say start with the Magician's Nephew. Such a good book. Um, start with that one because it's the beginning of everything. And yeah, all the books in the Chronicles of Narnia, so good. Um. Laura, do you want to go next or do you want me to list all three right now? I can go. Um, is it okay if some of them aren't classics? <laughs> it's up to uh, you. Well, I'm going to say like this. Okay. My recommendation is uh, Refugee by Alan Gratz. Um, that's, it's like, I think it's a middle grade novel. I'm going to recommend this because I think someday it will be a classic. Um, I read that and loved it so much it's a hard book to read because it's about three refugees um from different parts of the world in different times and um they at the end you see how they're connected to each other but when I read it I said I bought like four copies of it and I told my kids that they had to read it so I just like and I have one child that will pretty much read anything I give her but I have to pay the other kids but um yeah to read what I want them to read, but oh my gosh, it was so good. The, I would say you, if you, yeah, read read Refugee by Alan Gratz. Excellent. Okay, Amity. Okay, so the next thing that I would recommend is, um, I'm not gonna say every book by Eleanor Estes, but pretty much every book by Eleanor. I, I can't say everyone because I haven't read every single one, but any in her, the Moffat's series, the ginger pie, the pinky pie, those are beautiful. And the hundred dresses, I would start with the hundred dresses because it's pretty short and it's illustrated and it is such a powerful message, but it's something that it's, it's entertaining. It's a, it's just a great story and any kid, any adult can relate to it. Um, so yes, any of those books and the Moffats, it's just, it's this family during the early 1900s. It's like during world war one. And it's just this sweet family. And they just have just hilarious, um, escapades and adventures. And they're just, they're so creative and they're funny and they're good. And it's just delightful. And then the Pinkie Pie and Ginger Pie, it's another family sort of set in the same town as where the Moffats live in, in Connecticut and also just delightful. So, okay. Good ones. Laura, my next one is called all of a kind family by Sydney Taylor. So it's about a Jewish family with five daughters, five girls growing up in um, the lower East side of New York city in about 1910. Um, my mom read this to us when we were little kids and we used to check it out from the library all the time over and over and over again. And there's um, I believe there's a couple more after that. It's a series. So there's like all the kind family downtown. And I think there's at least one more. Um, but I just, these girls would like go to the library um, on the, in the afternoons after school. And their mom would hide pennies around their house 
for when they dusted to make sure that they got like all the spots in the that she expected them to get and just little stories like that I we just loved them as as a kid my mom used to read it to us all the time okay Amity that is a really good one um okay I probably the last series that I would recommend is um the little house books for children um yeah every single one of them, all of the stories of Laura Ingalls Wilder. Um, yeah, the story of Laura and her family and their, their travels. And as I mentioned before, just their ingenuity and their togetherness and their, um, as they learn and they grow and, and deal with many problems of that time. Um, so yeah, there, that would be my last one. I think there's like eight books in the series. Series. Oh. Hey, Laura. Um, I would say A Little Princess by Frances Hodgson Burnett. We, um, our second book we did was The Secret Garden. So someday we'll do A Little Princess. But, you know, this is the story of a little girl whose father goes to war and leaves her in like a, I mean, he's there. He must be wealthy, but he lives, he leaves her in a kind of a boarding school for girls. And then he disappears. And so her status of privilege in the home in the boarding school they take everything away from her and she becomes kind of like the servants in the house and um I just love that book because she kind of comes in she's always sweet but she is kind of um learns a lot about life and and becomes friends with all of the the other I don't know if they're employees they must be like servants in the house and yeah it kind of sounds like Annie (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) the hard knock life right yeah yeah (laughs) okay now adults if I was an adult that really hadn't read many classics whatsoever Amity give me three classics as an adult that you would recommend to start with Um, okay. I would say I would say probably start with some shorter classics that are like that you would read and go, oh, (laughs) like, so I would say George Orwell, 1984 or Animal Farm. Um, they're not necessarily fun classics, but they are classics and you learn from them. They are transcendent. They're, they're full of wisdom and knowledge. So I, those, those are the first ones that I would recommend. Hey, Laura. I would say Jane Eyre. It was probably one of the classics that like, I could totally understand what was going on. And I was interested in the story <laughs> and kept me reading. Um, yeah, I would say for me, Jane Austen is very hard to read. So I would, that's something I hope that we'll pick up eventually and I'll learn to love. But yeah, I'd say for me, it was Jane Eyre would be the first one I would pick up. Hey, Amity, number oh, two. Awesome. Um, my number two would probably be a Dickens. It would probably be I'm, I'm cheating at this because I can't give you just three. So I'm going to say a Christmas Carol and great expectations, a Christmas Carol, because again, if you're just picking up a classic 
maybe for the first time, it's a story that's pretty well known. And so you can pick it up and read it and you can, you can get it pretty easily. And it's just, it's such a great story. Uh, and then great expectations also such an amazing story. And it's one that I feel like is very accessible. It's one that you love too, Laura. Right. And, um, yeah, good, good stuff. So, Hey, Laura, I just, I just had a memory lapse, Beth, your mom. I remember, um, your mom saying that a tale of two cities was her favorite classic. <laughs> do you, do you remember that? For when you, anyway, no. <laughs> well, my mom sister <laughs> was my best friend. So. <laughs> yeah. You probably heard information when I was gone that I didn't know. <laughs> it just, that just came to me. I don't know why. Um, I've never read it, but maybe I will. Um, Weathering Heights would be my next one by Emily Bronte. Like I, there's a really good um, movie adaptation to it that came out recent. Well, in recent years. And um I, my mom, it's one of my mom's favorites. So when she talks about classics, that's the one she talks about. And I thought it was also one that I could follow the plot fairly easily and was kind of propulsive enough to keep reading um, and kind of fascinating, dark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Amity, your last advice of a classic for an adult. Okay. Last classic. Um, there's the ones that I want to say and the ones that, again, if we're talking about just picking one up, um, if you haven't read a lot of classics, so I'm going to go with man's search for meaning by Victor Frankl. It's, it is nonfiction. Um, and it's Victor Frankl's talking about he, his experience in the, uh, concentration camps during world war II because he was a Jew and, but looking at it from a very psychological perspective and applying that to how we deal with, with suffering and how we bring meaning to our lives. And so it's just, it's an amazing book full of wisdom. So Ooh, that's going to be my first that's 1984 and a man's search for meaning. Thank you. Okay. Laura. Hmm. I'm trying to come up with my last one. That's hard. Um, if you want a short one, well, I don't know if I can recommend that. I read it in high school. I read of mice and men in high school. And I yes, think I read short. that. It's, uh, I'm going to go with that one. It's sad <laughs> and hard to read, but it's short. And, um, I, I mean, they don't even, I think it's considered a novella. So, um, yeah, I think I would go with something like that. But now, what's I'll, a novella? Um, it's a short novel. I don't know shorter than a novel. Amity, do you think there's like What's a number it, yeah, of pages? I, mm, I could look it up really quickly, but I think you're right. It's basically it's just very short. It's closer to a short story, right? Yeah. I said something to my husband about it. I wanted him to read this novella, and I said, and I said a novella is, and I started telling him. He goes, I know what a novella is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah according to wikipedia it's just narrative prose fiction whose length is shorter than most novels so you were spot on it's just shorter okay excellent yeah you could probably read it in an afternoon oh wow okay so, okay well i have two more questions for you i want to know what the likelihood of the two of you 
writing a book is? Amity? Oh, I would love to write a book. And what would you write about? I would probably, well, I would start with children's books, but I don't know. I don't know. I would start with children's books, but they'd probably be more like picture book length books. And, and then eventually I'd love to write like a research-based book. And I have a few ideas floating around, but anyway, so more of a nonfiction book. Hey, what about you, Laura? So I would also love to write a book, but I always say I don't have much going on (laughs) in my brain. (laughs) I, I really struggle with creativity. So it would have to be something that, um, that's real kind of reality based. Um, I've kind of had in my early, um, married life, we've kind of, my husband and I've had lots of challenges and, um, things we've had to overcome, like, um, mostly health issues and scary situations. And so I think I would write a book about that possibly like a, um, a memoir of what we've been through and how, um, what got us through some of those challenges, I think. Yeah. Okay. So my, this podcast was birthed out of inspiration from God. And I just felt like at the time in our society and world, there was a, there, that we needed more light. And gratefully I was given the opportunity. My mind, I was, it was clear what I needed to do. So what I want to know from the two of you is, is I ask everybody at the end of my podcast, how do you personally seek light? So I know, cause we've been talking about the classics. I'm sure that there's some part of that in your life that you receive a lot of light from these classics and how you can apply them in your lives. But how else do you personally seek light in your life? Amity? Well, I mean, I, it's probably an answer that you're going to hear from a lot of people, but I, well, the thought that immediately comes to mind is my morning runs and on my morning runs, that's my time to clear my head and to pray. Cause often I go in the dark and I am not going to listen to music because it's terrifying. So I need to hear if the bad guys are creeping up on me. So I, um, I just pray and that brings a huge amount of light throughout my entire day. Um, and also how else do I seek light by trying to fill my life with things that bring light. And to me, truth and wisdom is light and, um, so seeking, seeking to have the spirit with me by, by filling my day with good and wholesome things, by studying the scriptures, by, um, listening to beautiful and uplifting music, um, by seeking wisdom and knowledge from the best books and by, by reaching out to people around me and getting to know them. I think that people 
people have so much light and we can, we can partake of that as we get to know them and serve them. And, um, so I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for at all, but that's, those are the thoughts that come to mind. Well, the great thing is, is that's your answer and I love it. So that's great. Okay. Laura, how about you? Um, this was also a hard question for me. Cause I was like, how do I seek light? Um, I think I seek light through learning. So I love learning about anything and everything. I love learning about the gospel. I, uh, um, I love learning how to love more unconditionally. Um, I love learning different ways that I can improve my own life experience. Um, I'm, I think it's getting harder and harder to find things to fill your, um, like television, movies, music. It's getting harder and harder to find uplifting, um, media to take in, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know if when we, my husband and I sit down to pick a new show, we're going to watch at night or something. It's like every show we come across is rated mature or you know it just gets harder and harder and so I'm constantly reading listening to podcasts um just trying to fill my brain with uplifting positive um literature and and concepts and yeah I just love learning amen (laughs) okay so the two of you out of the best books podcast when will it be launched? We hope next Friday, October 21st. <laughs> That's what we're <laughs> shooting for. Okay. And this podcast is coming out on October 21st. So this is exciting. So today. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, I just want you both to know how grateful I am that you sat down with me and I really want your podcast to be successful and listening to you. It makes me want to reach out and grab a classic and just try to learn the language and enjoy it and, and learn from it and, and apply it to my own life. So thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for letting us be on yours. This is, this is an amazing privilege. So thank you very much. We're so happy you joined us for this episode. We hope you will join us next week as we discuss The Great Gatsby. If you have suggestions for books we should read and discuss, please email us at thebestbookspodcast at gmail.com. We would love it if you would leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and share our podcast with your friends. We want to inspire and encourage as many people as we can to read out of the best books. As Thoreau says, read the best books first or you may not have a chance to read them at all. See you next week.